The opinions and suggestions expressed in the following program are solely those of the participants and are not necessarily endorsed by KRMG, Cox Media Group Incorporated, or the program sponsors. This following program is sponsored by Causeway LLC. Information in this broadcast is not intended as an investment, tax, or financial advice. Matthew Moore is not a licensed investment advisor and speaks solely from his experience and opinions. All information in this broadcast is for entertainment or educational purposes only. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and Cox Media Group Tulsa are not responsible for the success or failure of any person's investment decisions or purchases. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and Cox Media Group Tulsa makes no and expressly disclaims all representations, warranties, and guarantees with respect to this broadcast and its sponsors. Investing in any market is inherently risky and can be financially dangerous. Invest at your own risk. Gather knowledge in the world of cryptocurrency right now on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's news and talk. Welcome to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. Matthew is locally based right here in Tulsa. Questions, comments, concerns? Call 918-460-5764 or send us an open mic using the KRMG app. Now, here's Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. And good Sunday evening to you. My name is Russell Mills. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Cryptocurrency Show tonight. And boy... Do we have a lot to talk about this week? I mean, if you follow this space at all, you know that it has been a crazy, crazy week. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to let the people who know what they're talking about start talking about it. And we'll kick it off with this guy. He is the namesake, the founder of the show, and the head cook of this very busy kitchen Mr. Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt. That's that's right, Russell. This kitchen is getting super hot right now. And if you're in this space, well, hopefully you're not cooking. Uh, I will tell you, it has been one wild week. It's probably one of the most pivotal weeks uh, in the world of cryptocurrency. Probably one of the quote-unquote Lehman moments of crypto, but we're definitely not discouraged. I mean, heck, we, we uh, you know, we're, we're here to bring you the facts. We're here to bring you to some news. There's definitely blood in the water, uh, but this is all due to another centralized exchange blowing up. This time, it was the second largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world known as FTX, and this by far, like I was saying, is one of the biggest stories to ever hit cryptocurrency. The overnight success, literally, they have been an overnight success in a matter of years, the FTX exchange filed for bankruptcy and announced the resignation of its CEO, Sam Bankman Freed, on Friday. So, uh, FTX.com, FTX US operations, uh, and Sam Bankman Freed's cryptocurrency trading firm, Alameda Research, are among the 100. And 30 FTX Group companies covered by this bankruptcy filing. No doubt, it's a stunning downfall for the 30-year-old billionaire. Well, I guess he's not a billionaire anymore. Uh, Sam's empire went from 32 billion to 1 billion in a matter of days. Sam said he had misjudged FTX liquidity and users' margin prior to the crisis. What is unique, though, is that FTX had scrambled to secure a bailout before this all kind of really fell apart. And uh, rival platform and the world's largest exchange, Binance, initially agreed to buy FTX. Only, get this, only to back out to the non-binding deal due to concerns about the company's shady books and finances. However, all of this doesn't surprise me because the market liquidity, as we all know, was already drying up, and the cracks in some of these operations have been showing. And in fact, many of these failing exchanges in the past year have had some kind of exposure to the same contagion events. And since this is such a heavy story, I, I it's still unfolding. I had to change my notes regularly. I, I thought it would be appropriate to bring back the uh, the panel that was with us last week. Uh, good friends, they're they're awesome Bitcoiners. 
and uh, they kind of preach the same message as I do, but it's, uh, without a doubt, it's uh, Charlie Spears. He is the founder of Nakamoto Partners. He's a Bitcoin miner. Uh, and then Andrew Ryan, uh, he is a chartered financial analyst. Uh, Charlie, I, I don't I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but uh, somehow you got connected with Sam Beckman-Fried on LinkedIn, and you just recently sent him a message this week. Did you get a response? No, he didn't reply. I'm not surprised, <laughs> but yeah. Kind of busy. Yeah, I used to think, oh, I got, I've used my friend on LinkedIn. Now I'm like, oh no, he's my friend on LinkedIn. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, what about you, Andrew? How, how's this week been for you? Uh, it's been super busy. I've been on Twitter a lot, uh, just trying to wrap my mind around uh, fast moving events. I know. Well, the the first comments that I want from both of you, and and I basically already know what your answer is going to be because we we literally pound this message home often on this show. But for those who don't know, in order to not get caught up in these failures and bankruptcies, what should one be doing with their Bitcoin? Yep, it's the same message we always preach. There's a lot of cool things you can do in the space, but ultimately you should be dollar cost averaging and putting that in self-custody, holding your own keys. And I would add to that uh, in Bitcoin and Bitcoin only. Um, Bitcoin just has a – the security is is – has never been beat, and as long as you take it off an exchange, uh, you uh, you take a lot of risks off the table. So, well, let's let's do this. Let's get some background story for the audience here, who's totally unfamiliar. Maybe some of you are familiar with it, but there there might be a lot of you out there that are completely you know just don't know what's going on with this. And I just want to give some background. So, in 2017, a 25 year old American named Sam Bakeman Freed founded Alameda Research, a Hong Kong trading firm. Then, in 2019, Sam Bankman Freed founded the FTX Exchange in the Bahamas. In 2021. Sam owned 90% of Alameda, which eventually became the trading arm for FTX, right? And even though these are two separate businesses, the division breaks down on Alameda's balance sheet. And according to a private financial document reviewed by Coindesk, uh, the balance sheet is full of FTX, which is uh, specifically the FTT token issued by the exchange. It shows that Sam's trading giant, Alameda, rested on a foundation largely made up of a coin that a sister company invented and not an independent asset like a, let's say, government currency or another cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. The situation adds to evidence that these ties between FTX and Alameda are unusually close. So with billions and billions now up in smoke, the CEO of the investment platform, Swan, which some of you might be familiar with, had a statement that they issued. Uh, they said it's fascinating to see that the majority of the net equity in the Alameda business is actually FTX's own centrally controlled and printed out of thin air tokens. So in addition, here's what we also found out, <clears throat> and I found this interesting. So Sam had a backdoor into FTX books and took $10 billion of customers' funds from FTX and sent it to his trading company, Alameda, with about one to two billion dollars of that currently unaccounted for. Andrew and Charlie, I, I think this is absolutely huge. Do, do you guys have any thoughts on this? Every single hour of every single day this week, it just gets worse. <laughs> I know it really does. Yeah. Well, and, and so there's two entities. You had Alameda, which was basically a hedge fund, and we don't care about it. If it right. goes belly up, who cares? The 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 fraudulent part was it looks like Sam was using user funds right. to lend to his trading arm and they and they, they were, were leverage trading yeah um, yeah and so that's the real problem and that's 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 <clears throat> what can make this possibly criminal 
Yeah, yeah. and you will talk about this, but uh, this was very conspicuous how it went down. This was a very trusted exchange, and they were um, Sam and the greater SBF Alameda FTX group was very advocating. They were advocating a lot uh, in D.C., and they were kind of embraced by the SEC in a very conspicuous way. So um, it just, just does not look good. And a right. lot of us are trying to say, look, there is this thing called the called cryptocurrency, blockchain, specifically Bitcoin. These protocols work. What is going wrong here is the human action of these centralized of entities. These centralized entities. Right. Well, with such a massive operation and money at play, how much of this do you think was due to incompetence or maybe malice? I mean, have you have you guys seen pictures of these kids? I mean, literally, these kids are running these multi-billion dollar operations. And, you know, Sam did graduate from MIT. I'll give him that. But according to Fortune.com, the whole operation was ran by a gang of kids with very little real-life experience or business experience, let alone experience with exchanges and money management. They all moved to the Bahamas, and many either dated each other or met at MIT. So Caroline Ellison is a perfect example. She's a 20-something-year-old who dated Sam and was made the CEO of the multi-billion dollar trading firm Alameda. So as um, as book smart as these kids might be, it seems highly unlikely that maybe eh, they could have ran this with much success. But how do a bunch of kids establish an exchange in 2019 and in a handful of years become one of the biggest players in the space and they're, they're getting arenas named after FTX? I mean, if you listen to Sam in his comments, it seems he didn't really understand what was going on with the operation at large, despite being the CEO. I mean, if you guys look at his tweets and his comments, do you do you concur with that? I mean, was he aware or do you think he's just putting up a front? I think he's highly aware. Okay. Um, so he's extremely competent. He's never been aligned with Bitcoin. We've known this since day one, but we thought we thought perhaps he was a builder. And the thing is, he's, he was building something which uh, is extremely fraudulent. Hmm. And, and he went to MIT. Yeah, he's smart. He knows what right. he's doing. And he knew that using customer funds um, to play with, you know, to gamble with was wrong. So. I think the bigger thing is, is why did everyone else think that he was the real deal? I mean, why right. does the SEC talk to him that closely? So that's, to me... Like, okay, they should be out there protecting us from this person. Right, right. Well, well, we'll talk about that more when we come back. And the real question is, is this an existential crisis for Bitcoin, for cryptocurrencies writ large? I mean, questions pending needs to be asked. And we've got a great panel here who's going to take a shot at answering it for us. Stick around. You're listening to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk. Welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk. My name is Russell Mills. Thank you very much for joining us. We are live and local, one of the only radio programs in the world dedicated 100% to talking about cryptocurrency. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about this week with the, well, absolute collapse of the world's second largest crypto exchange, FTX. Here to bring us more information and a little bit of insight into all that, our host, Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt. Hey, Russell. That's right. Yeah, we, we got so much content, and this story is is evolving regularly that we may end up making multiple multiple episodes on this. So we're going to try to get through a lot, so I'm going to kind of speed it up here. But if you're listening to this show, hang on, buckle up, because this is the story of a lifetime for those who are in cryptocurrency. Um, and if you miss an episode, hey, by the way, you can always check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, KRMG.com. Uh, we're, we're all over the place. And uh, today in studio to discuss... Discuss this FTX or FTX fiasco uh, are my favorites, uh, known as 
chartered financial analyst Andrew Ryan and Bitcoin miner and founder of Nakamoto Partners, Charlie Spears. Boys, round one was juicy. You ready to squeeze some more juice out of this evolving story? You bet, Matt. Keep going, yeah. Let's do it. Well, however, you know, I will say before we continue, I'm going to go ahead and give our sponsor a mention. Uh, they help us stay on the air with this uh, great content. Hopefully, you're being informed by it. Uh, this segment is made possible by a company called Hedge. Do you have a strategy to obtain cryptocurrency on a regular basis? Do you plan to automate your dollar cost averaging? What about getting all or maybe part of your paycheck into Bitcoin? Well, Hedge is revolutionizing how you get paid. Hedge makes it easy to automatically convert your pay into crypto. Whether you're an employer or employee, you can get started in four easy steps. So start getting paid in Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Litecoin. Uh, Bitcoin is a long-term play. Start your strategy today. Hedge is here to make it easy to stack those sats month after month. What are you waiting for? Start living on the hedge. You can check them out at gethedge.io. Again, that is gethedge.io. And we are also giving away, the show is, I would say, giving away $200 worth of Bitcoin. And uh, in order to qualify, you just got to sign up and start using Hedge. And I will draw a lucky winner. So go to my website, Matt jmore.com. Scroll down to that uh, resource section, where, and you'll see a button that says Get Hedge. You can click that. You can sign up, start using uh, Hedge, and uh, maybe you'll be uh, be the winner of that $200 of Bitcoin. So we hope you do, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and get this back on the road and uh, get this information, this show going, because uh, it's uh, like we were saying, it's a lot that we have to unpack. So uh, Andrew, Charlie, here is the start of round two. One thing that we know about this situation with FTX, uh, the exchange, is that it's not directly related to things like Bitcoin and Bitcoin's network. So, sure, market prices have tanked, but, uh, you know, if you have your Bitcoin in cold storage, which we've harped on continually, you ha and you have the private keys, uh, your Bitcoin is fine. The network is fine. The value proposition and security of Bitcoin is fine, and it's still the same. So, this is just a natural process of centralized third parties blowing up due to mismanagement, malice or incompetence, whatever you want to think of it. Markets have a way of weeding out bad actors. And this is just a continuation of that. It's a natural process, in my opinion. Capital will flow where it is often treated best. So I feel in the long term, uh, this is a this is, might be good for the space despite the short term, you know, I don't know, consumer perception of, of Bitcoin. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I think FTX is creating a lot of uh, new Bitcoiners this week. Um, right. And, and, and I want to talk about real quick, uh, when you keep your Bitcoin on exchange, you have three major risks. The exchange could get hacked from the outside, so someone could steal from the outside. The owners could steal it, as we saw this week, and uh, and the government could confiscate it through such a, and like, like an executive order. If, if, if tomorrow Biden said... Big, private Bitcoin ownership is illegal. Uh, if you have your funds on Coinbase, you'll never see your Bitcoin. So if you have it, it's just like uh, it's just like if you own gold through a a, a gold dealer. Um, once you bring that gold home and have it shipped to you, uh, you take away that counterparty risk and and confiscation risk, and in Bitcoin's case, hacking risk. Yeah, each cycle this happens. Stuff uh, people lose their money to third parties, and it just makes it it makes it an easier layup for us on January third to say. Uh, this is proof of keys day. We want to demonstrate holding our own Bitcoin. Um, and it's really hard. I mean, as in the words of Satoshi, uh, the, one of the challenges with money and, and modern finance is all the trust involved. Right. This is the whole point of Bitcoin. You don't have to trust anybody. I am concerned, though, that um, it has uh, irrevocably burnt a lot of retail. Right. And um, I am concerned about the path-dependent uh, 
way forward for government regulation. This is a very easy scapegoat and a very easy opportunity for the government to say, uh, nope, we don't like Bitcoin. So Right. Well, you know, speaking of January 3rd, the, the official proof of keys day is what they call it. It's a day in which people tuned into the ethos of Bitcoin, pulled their funds completely off exchanges and into wallets that they control. To me, this is a great practice, and hopefully those who bought Bitcoin in 2021 and 2022 will take this to heart, and maybe they'll have no choice to take it to heart because, you know, the contagion from this event uh, and from this current bear market has been intense. I don't ever keep my money on exchanges, and I am not a trader. I think a lot of people who got burned are traders, um, but do you guys think that January 3rd will hit differently for a lot of people this year? Oh, yeah, it'll hit different. I won't have to explain why we do it this time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm I'm a professional commodity trader and I will not trade Bitcoin. I uh I, I buy my Bitcoin and I take it off and I bring it home. Yeah, well it's crazy. I have conversations with people all the time. When I consult with them, they're just like, This is just too complicated. I don't wanna I don't wanna do this. I just wanna trust a third party. I'm like, Well then you don't need to be in this space. I'm sorry. But like it's situations like this that that is uh, you know, it's you learn. It's you learn the hard way. But prior to FTX blowing up, many thought it was a safe exchange due to its size and exposure. Turns out looks are deceiving, right? If you have to use an exchange, which do you use and why? Is there is there anyone isolated uh, from what's going on? Um, who knows? The The tide is receding and we're seeing who is caught uh, swimming naked. Um, I am, you know, I perennially do endorse uh, River Financial. I really like uh, Kraken Exchange. There there are many good exchanges out there and typically the, the best ones let you withdraw your Bitcoin and they encourage that. And then the best ones also demonstrate uh, some form of proof of reserves saying we do in fact have X number of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies uh, so uh, we can, you know, you can be sure that we have those funds. Again, this is an emergent idea and kind of self-security and self-check uh, system. But uh, I think this is going to be increasingly important going forwards. When, and I understand why self-custody is kind of scary because um, I bought Bitcoin. And it took me six, six years to buy my first hardware wallet and move those funds. So I, and I'm a computer engineer, so I, I understand why people are scared of trusting themselves for their own security. However, I recommend everyone take those first steps, buy an $80 hardware wallet, spend a Saturday morning trying to understand how the Bitcoin network works. It's actually uh, a religious experience once you really understand the power of a cell phone or owning Bitcoin right. yourself. Well, and Russell brought up a good point before we started the show, which was, you know, these people who have their money on the exchanges, what happens to them and their, their funds? Well, when, when these bankruptcies happen, it, it can take years, almost a decade for some people to get their money back or a portion of it, if any of it at all. Um, so that's why we, we, we give these warnings is because it gets all caught up in this whole procedure. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Mt. Gox happened a year ago, and those that fund those funds haven't uh, been paid out yet. What do you mean, Mt. Gox I, happened a year ago, or a, a decade ago? I'm sorry, a decade, a decade ago. <laughs> hey, look, Dang, we're it's been up. a long week, okay. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's it's you know these things can take time, and um, as the value of these assets go up, you might get paid. Yeah, you got paid uh, what you uh, what your value what it was worth uh, in 2022, right? And now it's 2028, and Bitcoin's a million dollars or something. Right. So you know. Own your own Bitcoin. That's exactly right. That is the lesson here that we are going to continue to pound because that is part of the safety. It's part of being responsible because if you want monetary sovereignty, if you want freedom, financial freedom, 
you got to be responsible. You got to educate and you got to learn. And that's why we do this show. And if you got questions, you can always go to my website, mattjmore.com. You can set up a consultation and hopefully I don't have to, con- you know, go through this process where I have to uh, say, hey, you know what? That sucked that happened, but uh, this is how we do it right this time. We want to get it right the first time. Yep. MattJMore.com is the website. That's two O's in the word more. And by the way, just for a little context, FTX was uh, valued at approximately $32 billion last week. It's now gone. And uh, the CEO's personal wealth went from 19 to, well, that's pretty much gone too, less than a billion dollars in a space of hours. He lost 94% of his wealth. They say it's the, the quickest downfall of any billionaire ever in history. Ouch. Stick around. More cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore after the news on 1023 KRMG. Welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. We are live and local in the big city of Tulsa, Oklahoma on a Sunday evening, as we are pretty much every darn Sunday, about 5 p.m. Tulsa time. The topic of the day, the collapse of the world's second largest crypto exchange, FTX. November 2nd, things seem to be going okay. November 7th, its CEO says, hey, our assets are fine. November 8th, it crashed by 72%. And by November 11th, he was gone Bankruptcy was filed. It's a big old mess. And here to try to help sort it out and maybe calm us down a little bit about all this, our host, he is Matthew J. Moore in person. Hey, Matt. That's right, Russell. A thing to remember is when these things happen, you have to remember there's a major difference between cryptocurrency exchanges, third parties, and Bitcoin itself. Because Bitcoin, the asset, and its network are still fine. The value proposition is still there. So if you've missed the last few segments, we've been chatting with Bitcoin miner Charlie Spears from Nakamoto Partners and chartered financial analyst Andrew Ryan. So we've been discussing, like Russell was saying, why cryptocurrency markets are currently down and what has caused it. If you've been listening to the past segments, then you already know the story. But if you are just now joining us, let me fill you in. Everything is on fire because the world's second largest cryptocurrency exchange, FTX, blew up this week and is now filing for bankruptcy. Yes, another centralized exchange blew up, but like I said, Bitcoin is fine. So, however, you know, the, the people who, I don't know, kept their funds on these exchanges or centralized third parties, um, well, they're probably not doing so well. Uh, another reason why, again, we're going to continue to pound this message of self-custody, but um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, we're going to start this segment off with some questions or with a question. But uh, if you're, if you've missed this episode, I would highly encourage you. Once we get this posted on podcast, go back, listen to the beginning, listen to all of it. Cause I think it'll give you more context, but guys, let's, let's talk regulations and implications. Cause we know that's going to happen. We know people are screaming right now. Uh, many would say that the situation would have never happened if there was proper regulation. And now you have people like Senator Elizabeth Warren and Gary Gensler, the chairman of S of the sec, screaming for more control over these exchanges due to the incident. In 2021, Gary petitioned Congress for more powers to regulate exchanges. And Congressman Patrick McHenry from North Carolina released a statement in response to the letter that SEC Chairman Gary Gensler sent. Uh, And uh, Gensler wrote, I believe that the SEC needs additional authorities to prevent transactions, products, and platforms from falling between the regulatory cracks. We also need more resources to protect investors in 
this growing and volatile sector. Congressman McHenry said Gensler is going for a quote-unquote power grab over digital asset exchanges and is asking for jurisdiction of all exchanges of digital assets, which his problems with that was they're not all securities and out of his jurisdiction. And to add to the congressman's point, it really is hard to regulate exchanges because even though many of these exchanges are central entities, they're in multiple jurisdictions outside of the USA that can be easily accessed by a VPN. Guys, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that this whole regulatory conversation around exchanges needs to happen? Where, where we go from here? Um, you know, regulations can't prevent all bad things from happening, but uh, I think uh, the lack of clarity from the SEC has led us to this path. Um, you look at the OG exchanges, Kraken, Coinbase, Gemini, who have for years tried to engage at the federal legislative level for good clarity on how these things work, what cryptocurrencies are, how should they be treated, how can we uh, in, encourage this business in the United States. But who did regulators actually end up talking to? They kind of snubbed everyone and, and recently, as just this summer, only started talking to primarily Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX. So um, the lack of clarity and the lack of uh, options for American investors to gain exposure to Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies has actually led to kind of a reflexive effect to uh, engaging in more Ponzi-nomics like these centralized exchanges. And, and, and well, and FTX is not a U.S. company. It's no. based in the Bahamas. Well, their main um, operation, I think they do have a U.S. arm, but yes, they do. Yeah, but it's that's the only part of FTX that would be under U.S. regulations. Yeah, and I, I want to say a parenthetical thing: um, an exchange can't go bankrupt unless it criminally uses its customer funds uh, and to gamble or off the side. I mean, right. if if, if a, an exchange, I mean, I, I think uh, those exchanges that. That Charlie mentioned, Kraken, Coinbase, Gemini, they seem to be um, they're heavily regulated and well run. Um, you know, as long as they don't they don't play funny games with their user funds, they're going to be around for a long time. But that's apparently allegedly part of what's going on here, right? Was right. that this this Sam guy, the CEO for FTX, had like a, a back door right. where he could move money between that company and his Alameda company, and he moved. Like $10 billion, right. this is the reporting, and there's like a couple billion of that money that's just Unaccountable. gone. Right. Yeah, I mean, a great point here is that, uh, so FTX supposedly had about one point something billion dollars of Bitcoin liabilities to users. When the books are opened and Pandora's box, we get to look inside, we see they actually had much fewer Bitcoin. This is an interesting criticism that many of us have had in this space about these centralized exchanges. They have way more Bitcoin liabilities or paper Bitcoin. How how do you know if you've got Bitcoin on exchange that that is actually real Bitcoin? And so in the case of FTX, we saw that it certainly wasn't. Unless they do like a what? Proof of reserves? Proof of reserves is right. a great option. You prove that we have X amount of liabilities and X amount of reserves. There's one to one. You, you, you've got this Bitcoin over here. Well, we made the point earlier but while we were off the air is that it's actually – better that a situation like this has happened in the space than like let's say traditional finance because all the records if you know they're accurate are they're all on the blockchain that's everything's recorded and and can be eventually viewed by the public isn't that correct yeah and i think my retort to like oh crypto is all scammy is be like well i mean i think a lot of finance is just as scammy or just as disingenuous um the difference is is that we come from a transparent industry whereas that is a quite opaque industry right you got any thoughts, Andrew? Well, and 
I'm, I'm just thinking about FTX is a lot like uh, Enron, a lot like Madoff Ponzi scheme. I mean, people do bad guys do bad things and they can do them on a huge scale. Um, right. I'm not sure if more regulation would have necessarily, you know, Prevent prevented this. Yeah. yeah. Maybe well, not more regulation, but more clarity. Right. That's what we need. Well, one, one thing I find fascinating is that uh, Gary Gensler at the SEC has perpetually refused to approve a regulated Bitcoin spot ETF, which many argue could have provided possibly more consumer protection when investing into Bitcoin as far as options go. One of the most stated concerns from Gary, though, from the SEC when looking at Bitcoin spot ETFs is that they are concerned that the crypto spot exchanges are themselves unregulated and prone to manipulation. On the other hand, Gary has approved Bitcoin futures ETFs, uh, and this is because he feels more comfortable with it due to the current market surveillance tools overseeing future markets, which which the bulk of the future trading or volume is on the CME exchange, a traditional firm with long-standing surveillance tools in place and firmly in the hands of the government. So, guys, would, would a spot ETF make any difference in this situation like this, or, or is this just a mute point? I don't know if it'd have a huge impact on what happened today, but it's certainly ridiculous that we don't have one. Other and countries have one. Yeah, other countries have them. Canada's got one. Um, you know, uh, American analogs have these, and we know this works. There have been a lot of more ridiculous ETF ETFs proved, uh, you know, started up in the past few years than Bitcoin. Right. It, well, it, well, it's asinine that we have a Bitcoin futures ETF and not a Bitcoin spot ETF because the futures contract is just – uh, you know, a derivative right. on the on the spot. It's it's it makes no sense. Well, and even even if there was one, I I still wouldn't do that because I like having the actual asset myself and in my own custody. Um, so you know, I don't I don't necessarily want a third party dealing with it. So, yeah. would you would you guys be on the same page there? Would you ever buy a spot Bitcoin ETF? Possibly. It's certainly easier to put your four hundred one k into it right. than than Bitcoin. You can do that with Bitcoin, but I mean. Uh, it you're not sitting there going, okay, well, I got a couple grand. I'm going to th go throw it on right. Robinhood and figure out what to do. It's very different. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 yeah 401k is a great reason to do it, but uh, otherwise I would right. just keep it myself. Well, interesting. Well, interesting stuff. Uh, before, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but, but before being nominated as the SEC chairman by the current administration, Gary Gensler was a professor of economics and blockchain at MIT and is the senior advisor to the MIT Media Lab Digital Currency Initiative. He obviously is very familiar with the topic of cryptocurrency, but what's strange is that Sam Bakeman Fried, the founder of FTX, is also a graduate of MIT. Not, not too concerning there, but his lover, Caroline Ellison, was made the CEO of Sam's Alameda Trading Firm. And Caroline's father, Glenn Ellison, is the department head of MIT's School of Economics and someone who probably knows Gary personally considering his tenure. Now, I'm not directly implying anything here. I'm just pointing this out because in a recent interview on CNBC's Squawk Box, Andrew Sorkin spoke to Gary Gensler and pointed out that Sam Bickman Freed was on his calendar multiple times for meetings and asked him if he was simply hoodwinked by Sam. So hoodwinked or not, Sam had, like we said, a backdoor in FTX books and uh, billions of dollars of customers' funds went from FTX to their trading firm, Alameda, and with about billions more missing or unaccounted for. So regardless of how this unfolds, guys, how much or, or how much egg is on a regulator's, regulator's face, it sounds like Sam and his gang might be in some serious trouble. Um, but with, with these... I don't know, these these relationships, these interactions, 
Obviously, Sam donated to Republicans as well as Democrats. He was the second largest donor to Democrats. Um, are there any are there any conflicts of interest here? Are 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 these people? You know, do they know each other? Have they had conversations? Like you brought up earlier, Charlie, did, was he just hoodwinked? Was was Gary hoodwinked? Gosh, you know, I don't want to say this on air. There's so many uh, uh, there's so many uh, crossings and uh, coincidental. Uh, relationships that derive out of this here. And it's very conspicuous that uh, Gensler and the SEC would not meet with uh, well-meaning actors for years, and all of a sudden, SBF's all over his uh, meeting page. Um, I don't know. I, 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 it's just, it looks so bad. And I think it's really unfortunate because the broader public is going to label this as an issue with cryptocurrency. Which I don't like. Yeah. But you're not going to be able to stop the perception. No, no. I mean, the perception is going to be what it is. But we, we, we talked a little bit last week, and I mentioned it during the break. There's value and there's price. There's right. two different things. And price is often affected by perception. Value is not. And, and as you guys have been making the point, the underlying system here, Bitcoin itself, actually had played a very small role in right. all of this, right? And is still stable and still working. Right. And while... The market's taking it on the nose because right. of the bad news. That's what markets do. Right. Yeah. Well, Charlie, Every you, market you, overreacts to bad news, right? Yeah. You, you posted a graphic, Bitcoin 3% or uh, performance-wise compared to all the other assets this year. Oh, yeah. Compared to like a lot of major tech stocks, it still beat out like Snap, Meta, a lot of other stuff. Was that so. before like Thursday? This was a week ago. Okay. So, so we'll update <laughs> that. fluid situation. <laughs> we'll get back to you. Hey, you're listening to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore on KRMG. We're live and local in Tulsa. Quick time out. Be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. I'm Russell Mills. Been a fascinating conversation this evening. If you're just joining us, the uh, well, the complete collapse of the world's second largest cryptocurrency exchange has been making headlines literally around the world. And we've been talking about it. The company is called FTX. You can just be Googling that as this guy starts to explain to you what's really going on. His name is Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt. That's right. This whole story is a giant fruit, and we've been squeezing a lot of juice out of it. And if you've missed it, you've missed this show, i got to say, go back and uh, listen to the podcast version of this. Go to KRMG's website, krmg.com, or Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're all over the place. But I, I highly encourage you. There's, we covered a lot, and I'm sure this isn't going to be the only episode we end up talking about uh, this story. But, guys, I'm with uh, Charlie Spears. He is a Bitcoin miner, and he's the founder of Nakamoto Partners. And I've also got chartered financial analyst Andrew Ryan in studio Guys, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting chatting about this FTX exchange story and its possible implications. But do we look out for more curveballs here? What What are you guys watching closely after all this unfolding? Because, I mean, it just seems like the story just keeps coming. Um, I have hard time imagining that there isn't going to be continued contagion. So the, the tide has gone out. Um, and we're seeing that a lot of people are probably swimming naked. Right. So um, I won't name specific exchanges, but I will say you can look at what I like and look at on Twitter, and you can look at on-chain transactions, and you can see who is trying to tread water. Well, and I want to state the obvious that Bitcoin is volatile, and it does surprise on the downside and it surprises on the upside. And it's, uh, it's just real easy to get in a rut and think, it's going to continue doing what it does, and then in one day it just switches uh, sentiment. So 
You just don't know. Well, and what's cool is Bitcoin is anti-fragile. And what that means is the more it's tested, the better, right? Charlie, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, in a world which is increasingly chaotic, the asset which thrives on chaos and creates order out of chaos, which is Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Um, is the asset to own. I, I you know, a, a year ago today or a year ago this week was the you know local top for this past cycle of Bitcoin. And everybody and their dog was telling me, gosh, I wish I bought it when it was in its teens. <laughs> now and they so ain't going to be we buying. Are. I heard this in 17 and 14. I mean, this is a tale as old as time. Right. Well, we're buying. I'm buying. I'm yeah. So this is a great buying opportunity if you actually are crazy like us and believe in this space. Because uh, if you stay long enough, a lot of people come for the gains, but they end up staying for the technology. If they really do their homework, they really see the writing on the wall. But guys, where do people get plugged in to the Tulsa Bitcoin meetup? Because here's what's important community is important uh i want people who are interested in this space who are listening to the show to come to the meetups uh, learn get plugged in because relationships is where it's at so fill us in on that so i've almost completely forgotten about it but the bitcoin meetup <laughs> this week is on the 15th tuesday 7 p.m at welltown as usual 15th tuesday at welltown as usual i mean why do we you know why do we do this in person because the internet's a very confusing place. The news is often uh, misaligned with the incentives of, of Bitcoin and healthy education for the people. So um, in this case, uh, a lot of how we learn about uh, Bitcoin, how it works, is in person. That first time you take Bitcoin off an exchange, it's a terrifying, confusing thing. Right. And we want to encourage that. And it helps if someone holds your hand. Yeah, and I, I think we all think that Bitcoin is an absolutely world-changing technology and uh, comparable to, to the major technological uh, steps that mankind has made, in, in my personal opinion. So uh, we're, we're, we're still uh, bullish and excited. Well, where can they follow you guys? Uh, I recommend Twitter, at CB Spears, and then Nakamoto has a newsletter, nakamoto.io. I'm mostly on Facebook. Uh, the Bitcoin Meetup group is called the Tulsa Bitcoin Meetup. And they got to be approved by you, right, Andrew? Charlie or I, yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it, it's a, this is a world where everybody and their dog trying to scam you. So right. what, what the three of us do is say, okay, we're kind of a, a sounding yeah. wall to make sure that there's fewer of those people. Well, finish this sentence for me, guys. Those who can make it through this current bear market will... Ascend to Valhalla. <laughs> wow, we went full Viking. <laughs> wow, okay. I, Andrew... Those uh, who can make it through this current bear market will have great stories to tell their grandchildren. Yes. So. I remember back in the days <laughs> when I bought Bitcoin at 15000 I already feel like I'm 100 years old, though. It's right. been, I mean, it's been a long year of a week. All right, mm -hmm. well, finish this next one for me. Bitcoin is inevitable because... <laughs> oh, gosh. I, you know, Loaded it's a self-referential thing. <laughs> It's simple it's because I can't, uh, I can't imagine a world without it. I'd say Bitcoin is money perfected and it can't, can't be killed. It's unstoppable. So those two things make it It's money amazing. you can't screw with. Right, right. Well, that is a, that's a good indicator that you as a listener, if you're listening to this and you're new to this space and maybe you're thinking about buying, maybe you're thinking about getting into it, stay curious, do your homework, learn, because when you put the work in, that's where the rewards come in. And guess what? The, the the next bull market cycle, when people are making hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, 
guess what? They were buying right now. Now, that's not financial advice. I'm not giving financial advice. I'm just saying that worked for me when I was buying at the bottom of the bear market uh, last cycle around, you know, 3000 But then also I bought it $800. So, you know, when it's... When it's going up and down, that's that's when opportunity comes. So, guys, yeah, it's just I, I don't even try to time it. I said going into this cycle in 2020, I was like, I I'm not gonna try to play this. When the DCA hits, the DCA hits. I removed myself from any control over how much Bitcoin or when I buy Bitcoin. It's just it's just gonna I set it and forget it. Right. And that has helped me so much and made me so much more happier rather than me trying to think and predict all this insanity. Right. DCA, by the way, is dollar cost averaging, for those of you wondering. And that's basically, I'm going to throw X amount at it on X schedule without thinking whether the market's up, down, whatever. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, and the great thing is if the price is up, you'll buy a little less. And if the price is down, you'll buy more of it. So it's, it's, a, it's a great strategy. Well, boys, it was a great show and probably won't be the last one on this FTX story. Again, my website, mattjmore.com. That's more with two O's. I want to thank you for listening and tuning in. And hopefully we have calmed your nerves. And don't forget, as Matt mentioned earlier, if you've missed an episode or would like to go back and listen to the first part of this one, because it was just that good, and it actually was, Go ahead and check it out. You can find that podcast just about anywhere, but for sure on KRMG.com and on the KRMG app in the on-demand section. You've been listening to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. We're live and local in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Sundays at 5 p.m. Tulsa time. I'm Russell Mills, and we'll see you right here next week.